everyone here. Um, you know, as you guys know, we asked you to pray, uh, pray for him while he was gone. But he just got back, what, three weeks ago uh, from a mission trip in Bolivia. And uh, just ask him to kind of share with you guys, give you an update, kind of what God did uh, in him, through him, through the group. So if you can, welcome Mr. Micah James Carl. Well, in the beginning of April, I went to Bolivia, as most of you know, and um, my brother told me that Cindy Thacker, who is the one who heads up all this, she has a mission group called Mission of Hope Bolivia, and they um, basically it's a medical, whole big medical thing. And she's building some orphanages and stuff for the orphans that get kicked out once they reach a certain age. So... She's building houses on her 20-acre lot or whatever. And so basically the only way she can do that is to bring teams from the U.S. to a little bit at a time build. Because once she mentions orphans, then every, all the money's going to stop going to the medical and go right straight to the orphans if you want to donate to them. So that was her dilemma. So she had a group of us come down, and pretty much it was not really selected. It was selected by God, but a bunch of just random people got together, some from Seattle, Virginia, Maine, and North Carolina. And I went with my brother and my old boss, and literally those, that group of people was like the coolest group of people that could have ever gone on a mission trip like that. And Cindy Thacker, I heard she puts you to work, but I didn't really know anything about her, and I didn't have any missions trips with her. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'm used to working. I worked all my life. You know, it's not – I'm a pretty hard worker, I'd say so myself. So I was like, this is, is going to be nice. And I got there, and, wow, she really did put you to work. Like, <laughs> through the whole day. It was, it was a regular work day for me, but it was hard, man. She – she wasn't a slave driver, but it, you know, it was close. We got, we got a few breaks in between. We were, we were allowed to have a few breaks in between. Like, she didn't care. She wanted us to just take our time, you know, have some breaks. But the guys there, they, I liked them. You know, they wanted to work. And the, and the women, too. It was, it was pretty crazy. We had a group of 20 people, and um, we had to lay tile and paint some of the houses there. So, or two houses. So we had eight guys that were laying the tile and like three or four guys doing the painting and a couple of other of the women went to the medical or the the hospital with her every single day to help her out with that so we had um, you know 14 15 people there at the houses and eight of us laid like 2,000 square feet of tile in and grouted in uh, like five days or something like that and I was like geez you guys are you guys are trucking. I like you guys. Because most of the time you go on missions trips and you got a couple slackers that you just, why are you here? Why, do you, why are you here on this missions trip? You're supposed to be working and you're talking to everyone. So I was glad. And most of the time you get a group of 20 people like that you've never met before. There's somebody that's one of those people that gets on your nerves. There always has to be one. But there was none of them. There was everyone there just was so happy with each other. It was, it was weird, but it was awesome. So it was an amazing trip to go on. I had a great time with my brother and um, my old boss and, um, and all the other people. Built really amazing relationships with them that actually my brother is going to try to connect with the people from Seattle 
with the church down in North Carolina. So that's pretty awesome. But really, I was, I was, I was so glad I was able to go and to go and actually do work. I don't like to go on missions trips unless I know that I'm actually going to be doing something that is beneficial to there. I mean, you stay there for a week, you can't really do much. I mean, the long-term missions trips are more impactful, but the short ones, it's hard to really make a big difference in a short amount of time. But I really feel like we, she was blown away how much we got done. So I was... I was happy that I was able to go and help. So I want to thank you guys for whoever supported me in your prayers and financially. So that was pretty amazing to have that opportunity to go there and do it. So. Well, I guess we now know how Mike feels about lazy people, right? All right, here we go. So you bums. Look, I want to show you a verse really quick. In fact, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I just really want to pray this scripture kind of over us, and we'll get rolling today. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to start off in, in verse 17. If you're there, say, oh, yeah. Man, you guys could win like one of those competitions when they shout the reference and you flip to it. Anyway, sorry. Here we go. Verse 17, it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory. Here's the key. May give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. He may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Verse 18 says that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and it says in verse 19, what is it, the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power? So let's pray that today, okay? Y'all good with that? So, Father, today we just come before you in Jesus' name, and Lord, we just ask for ourselves, God, and for each other, God, that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation, God, in the knowledge of you. Father, we pray today that you would open the eyes of our understanding, God, that they may be enlightened, that we might know the hope, God, of the calling that you've placed in our lives. And so, Lord, today we just welcome your word. We welcome the Holy Spirit. We welcome the teacher to come and have his way in our hearts. Thank you for opening our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to receive all, God, that you have for us today. God, we just come in faith. We thank you for your presence. Thank you for your anointing and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So listen, over the... uh, past month or so, we've been talking about the behavior of royalty. And as I've uh, already said on several occasions, uh, this behavior really comes down to one powerful word, and that word is this. It's love. Now, we all know, uh, according to the Bible in Romans 5, 5, that the moment that you and I got born again, the Bible says that God poured out his agape love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Is that true? Yes, that's true. Now, listen, it's important that we understand that once he poured his love into our hearts, uh, it was his will. Somebody say his will. It was his will for our lives for us to do three things. The first one is this. It was that we may pour that love back on him. That is key, that God came and poured his love in us, and now we have the opportunity to pour it back on him. Number two is we have the opportunity to give that love, that agape love, we have the opportunity to give it away to every person that we meet. And thirdly, the third thing that's the will of God for our lives is that we would rest and be confident in God's love for us. Is that true? 
Yes, it is. So listen, for the last three weeks, we have talked about loving God and loving people. And today, I want to shift gears a little bit, and I want to turn our attention uh, to loving ourselves. To loving ourselves. Now, let me start off maybe by saying this. This is probably the hardest of all three of those areas to talk about. And the reason is this, is because I think, you know, in our hearts, we realize that God wants um, us to love ourselves. But for some reason, the how we love ourselves has become so twisted. Is that true? It's very true. Now, listen, it isn't uncommon uh, for people to really fall into two categories. And this might sound extreme. And so I know I'm going to kind of talk about this ditch and that ditch and hopefully... Uh, you, you know, we'll get it on the road where we need it to by the end of the day. But, but listen, I don't think it's uncommon for people to struggle with feelings of self-hate. I don't think it's uncommon for people to have feelings of not measuring up, of feeling like they're insecure, feeling like they have a low self-esteem, a negative self-image, that they lack confidence or they lack self-worth. Or you have the different kind of people that fall in the other category is where they reek with arrogance, they're conceited, they're stuck up, cocky, prideful, and completely full of themselves. I know that sounds extreme, but listen, if I was going to be honest with you this morning, I think if we were honest with ourselves, that most of us would admit in this room that we have spent uh, that we have spent portions, seasons of our lives in both of those categories. And a lot of times, you know, I, I don't know about you, but maybe, you know, for me, what happens is, is, you know, I'll, let's say I get around a group of people and I think this is real easy to happen in, in ministry circles, but you get in a group of people and they start all telling all their stories, right? And it's real easy to, in that moment to go, okay, to feel very insecure about yourself or to maybe feel like you're better than them, that you've accomplished more and you feel really good about yourself. So a lot of times it depends on who we're around or it depends on this. It really depends on how successful we have been in our life during that certain season, right? It's either we have been successful or we're lacking that success. And if we lack success, we feel kind of dumpy, right? And we feel in the dumps. And then if we feel like we've been really good, well, we're, you know, we kind of stick our chest out and put our head up a little bit because we think we're something. Does anybody know what I'm talking about today? So I tell you what, for sake of clarity, uh, let's maybe go another way. How many of you guys have ever met someone who is always negative about themselves? That it's almost like they're always belittling themselves with their words. That they enjoy throwing self-pity parties, right? And, uh, you know, they send out invitations to anybody who wants to come, right? So true. Listen, when this type of individual walks into the room, they suck the life right out of it. And, in fact, when this person calls you, you absolutely dread answering the phone because honestly getting a root canal with no meds sounds like more fun than hearing their latest issue their latest problem watch this key word again amen how many guys have ever met somebody like that don't look at your spouse at this moment all right here we go so how about this one how many of you guys have ever met the kind of person that believes that they are god's gift to humanity I mean, like, they're just the stuff, you know. Listen, this type of person, they're always trying to impress you with how great they are. They want to impress you with who they know. They want to impress you with what they have. Listen, they're constantly trying to one-up the story you just told. And by the way, if you don't know it, they're smarter, more talented, and better looking than you. We are all created in the image of God. That's why something inside of us goes, ugh, when we act either this way or we act that way. And the reason I say that is this, is because God is neither. Watch this. If we're created in his image, we need to remember God isn't insecure and he's not prideful. Truth. 
Listen, God's never wondered and hoped somehow fretting if he's measuring up to somehow meet our expectations. You know, God's not ever sitting back struggling with a self-worth or a negative self-image. God's not ever arrogant. He's not cocky. And God's never tempted to one-up anybody. Are y'all feeling me today? See, let, let me put this another way. When we read the Gospels, do we ever see Jesus moping around? You know, shoulders bent, head down, and, and you know, listen with this just sad face, uh, sad look on his face, because he just wants everybody to know how crappy he feels about himself. Strong word? Listen, do we ever see him doing that in the Gospels? Come on, talk to me, do we? No, we don't. Listen, do we ever see him walking around with his nose up in the air all cocky-like, trying to impress everyone with how great he is and how awesome he can do everything? No, he's not that way. So watch this. In the same way that self-hate and pride doesn't look good and it doesn't look right on Jesus, it doesn't look good and it doesn't look right on us. Amen? Listen, in the same way that when we sit back and if we try to imagine Jesus being that way, the same way that it would be weird, awkward, and even foreign for us to imagine Jesus acting that way, I just have this hunch that that here's God sitting back thinking it's weird, awkward, foreign for him to see us acting that way. Because, see, after all, does he not know better than we are, once again, that we are created in his image? Do you understand? Created in his likeness, meaning that who he is Guess what? That we resemble, we reflect him. Right? Are you feeling me? It's this understanding that he fully understands uh, what we are capable of and who we are capable of being because his spirit lives inside of us. It's this understanding that he knows that he has given us a new nature and he has given us a new identity in his kingdom. See, that's why when we start acting in the ways that are, that are not of him, it just doesn't feel right. It's really, it's really this. I think the word maybe I would throw out, throw out there is this, is that we really just lack peace. That's really the best way to look at it. Because, you know, a lot of times we go, man, I feel convicted or I just feel bad. No, it's, it's you lack peace because God's touch and God's hand is not on it. Are you feeling me today? All right, so let's switch gears just a touch. I think we would all agree today. Please just open, open your heart up in this moment, okay, because we're going to go a little, little, little different here. But I think we would all agree that for most people in the church, most people in the church, I'm not just talking about this one. I'm talking about the Church of America. Most people believe those two words, loving yourself equals sin. Is that truth? Yes. Many of us have been taught that. Yes, we have. But may I suggest to you that part of the underlining the underlying thought pattern behind this belief is because many of us in this room, grab a hold of this, many of this room uh, from a very young age have learned from the influences in our lives that the most effective way to change someone's behavior, get this, that the most effective way to change someone's behavior is to criticize, disapprove, blame, shame, judge, humiliate, threaten, and punish them. Or to use any other tactic that would somehow cause uh, fear to rise in their hearts, uh, that would somehow cause them not to act that same way again in the future. Are, are you feeling me? Yes. I mean, just think about literally of how we were raised and how we were, you, you know, whatever molded and shaped. It, you know, that's the the tactics that were used on us. And inadvertently, if we were honest, we use those on our kids. Hello. That's true, right? So here's my point. 
Is it possible that the church system and even some of us in this room unknowingly deploy the same negative tactics against ourselves and hopes that it will make us more like Jesus? Listen, it's, once again, it's this thing. Somehow within myself and, and how I approach God and how I view God and how I view spirituality and Christianity and all these things, if I could somehow uh, on the inside criticize myself enough, disapprove of my actions enough, blame myself, make myself feel shameful, judge myself, somehow humiliate myself with my words, if I could somehow threaten or punish myself or somehow cause fear in my heart that there's some kind of hope that if I can make myself feel bad enough that hopefully the end process will be I'll look like Jesus. The only, process, the only problem is, is Jesus is nothing like that. Yes? So just maybe, watch this, deep down inside, we have believed the lie that self-hate is part of kingdom thinking. I told you, hold on, a little different, I know. That we have believed that self-hate is part of kingdom thinking. Watch this, and not the kingdom thinking, but it's the will of God for our lives. Watch this. And we wonder why we struggle with with performance and fear so much. It's because literally, you know, look, I'm guilty too, y'all. That would have been the model of the household I grew up in. Okay, not a lot of positive reinforcement. And so and so literally when you now bring that mentality in the kingdom. In fact, I remember one time a pastor said this to me, he said, Quentin, uh, you're you're harder on yourself than God is. And some of us, that really defines us, right? Because we somehow, once again, have to match up, be good enough. And if we're not good enough, then we somehow just loathe ourselves and make ourselves feel like garbage. Because somehow there's this lie that will make us look more spiritual. That's truth, isn't it? And see, here's kind of the head scratcher for me in this. You know, I sit back, and once again, I didn't grow up like a lot of you guys. I, I kind of got saved later in the mix. Some of you guys know what that means. But let's just kind of make this an overall statement. Think about how in the U.S. today, how many people grew up singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. How many people grew up literally singing that? Watch this. But they believe that it's okay for them to. And here's the really the key word I want you to grab a hold of today. They think it's somehow okay for them to silently dislike and disapprove of themselves in the deep recesses of their heart. You follow me? You, you know, there, there's, is there not, okay, Jesus loves me, this I know, yeah, we see. But is there not such a disconnect for the power of that simple statement? You know, basically what's happening is, is we have a generation of Christians that have saying something that they don't believe. Because if they really believed it, they wouldn't struggle with any of that. Listen, I want you to know this morning, and, you know, listen, the, the Holy Ghost has really got to do what only he can do in our hearts here. But this type of thinking is not kingdom. It's not God's heart. It's not the will of God for our lives. And once again, it's this idea that, that gain, that, that God himself, key word here, has given us permission to love ourselves. He's given us permission. But once again, let's go back to the top. He's given us permission, but the world in which we lived in, we live in, has twisted what that means so bad. We're so, uh, I'll use a, a, a Pastor Brian word, our minds are convoluted. It, you, you know, literally, our, our minds are so clouded and we're so confused about what that really looks like. Yes? It's good preaching. I'll say it is. I told Jen last night, read that part. I think that's good. 
I go, wow, God, that's awesome, you know. So, anyways, I think it's cool. Now, the, now the key is, is can we grab it and do something with it? That's the key. Reading <laughs> it. Yeah, you're hilarious. All right. So here's where we got permission. We've already read this verse several times. I'm digressing, Kyle. All right, here we go. All right, so we, we see this in Matthew 22. Listen, we have read this and read this and read this. But I want you to know something, okay? Uh, and and you'll, you'll know this is kind of the way I work, okay? When you get tired of hearing something, it means you're finally starting to get it. Okay? So there's things that we're going to reiterate and reiterate and reiterate because it needs to get in us. Okay, it does us no good to come here week after week and hear something if we don't apply it when we walk out the door. Okay, so let's grab a hold of this verse. It says this in Matthew 22. It says, Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Let that sink in. Apply that, please, when you walk out the door. All right. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Verse 39, and the second is like it. And this is what we're talking about today. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now listen, it's not that he's given us three commandments. He only gave us two. But there's a, but there's a deep connection between loving your neighbor and loving yourself. Okay? He didn't make a commandment to love yourself. But he is saying that those two are connected. And the reason is, is because there's something so powerful about it. Until you learn how to value yourself, you'll never value other people. Okay. The Bible echoes this, that if you don't, once again, that if you don't love you, you can't love your neighbor. If you don't love your neighbor, you don't love God. Once again, go back to the first week. All these things really work together. But, but here it is, is God saying, love, uh, love yourself. He's giving you permission. And if you need another verse, go over to uh, Ephesians chapter 5. It says that twice in that portion of Scripture, it talks about loving your wife as yourself. Amen. So there's so there's definitely a, a direct line of thinking from God that 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 uh, basically connects the way you feel about yourself to the way you interact with people. Amen. In fact, let, let me do this really quick. I'm going to hopefully not mess myself up here real quick. I have something in in a pile of notes here. I want to read to you. All right, here we go. Listen to this. OK, I didn't know if I was going to use this today. Y'all with me? It says this. This is from a a, a book called uh, Experiencing the Father's Embrace. Great book. He says this. He says, you were created in God's image and God is love. If you are uncomfortable with God, you are uncomfortable with love. If you are uncomfortable with love, you are uncomfortable with yourself. If you are uncomfortable with yourself, you're going to be uncomfortable with others. If you do not believe you are lovable, you may find it difficult to receive God's gift of unmerited love and favor. And it may be difficult to enjoy healthy relationships with others if you view yourself differently from the way God views you. It's truth, isn't it? Watch this. It says, in whose image do you walk? And then it says, your image of yourself will determine the depth of intimacy You will have with God, your spouse, your children, and your friends. That's powerful, gang, because it's truth, right? All right, here we go. So let's get back on track here. All right, so God gives permission to love ourselves, but, but let's look at the other side of the coin here, okay? At the same time, I think we would all agree that God doesn't want us to love ourselves from a position of pride. See, we know this because 1 Corinthians 13, we've read this several times already, but it simply says this, that love isn't proud. 
So it throws that right out the door, correct? That, that basically loving yourself, once again, can't be, can't be in a prideful way because there's no, there's no pride in love. So love isn't proud. It says it isn't arrogant and it's not selfish. So this means that it is absolutely impossible, get that, impossible to love ourselves the way God wants us to and remain prideful. See, we all know the verse, and we all, we all grab a hold of it, but really get it in the context of this, that God opposes the proud. So if God opposes the proud, then this can't fall under what he's asking us to do, correct? Let me show you a verse that I think that a majority of the church points to to try to shoot down this thinking, okay? And uh, for years, I, I gravitated toward it and grabbed a hold of it myself. But, but it says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. In fact, do, do me a favor really fast. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn there because I want you to see this. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. The reason I'm doing this is because I don't want us to get in the habit of always staring at a screen but not knowing where to find something in our own book. Okay? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. If you do not own a Bible, I would definitely invite you uh, in the foyer there, in the foyer, in the foyer, we have a shelf there with some Bibles there for free. Please take you one. If you know somebody else needs one, take two. Okay? If you're there, say, oh, yeah. Second oh, yeah. Timothy 3, 1 through 5. Here we go. Great verse. It says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. That means hard, difficult, harsh. So uh, last days, perilous times will come. Watch this. Verse 2. For men will be lovers of themselves. Immediately, I grabbed it and said, see? I told you you can't love yourself. It's sin, right? The only problem is, is, is what I missed here was this. I, I, I missed what the Greek word was over there in Matthew 22 in comparison to what's here in Second Timothy. Here's what the word is actually for lovers. It's actually the word philantos in the Greek, okay? And I probably said that wrong. So anyways, but, but philantos, and watch this. It is only used one time in the entire Bible, and it's in this scripture right here. And it says this. Here's what it means. It means uh, basically that this person is too intent on one's interest. It means that they're selfish. That they're too intent on one's interest. They're selfish. So let's read this again. Basically, for men will be lovers of themselves. What's the byproduct of selfish love in action? They'll be lovers of money. They'll be boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control. Watch this. They're brutal. They're despisers of good. Is that not true for our society today? They literally are calling what is good evil and what is uh, evil good, right? So as far as good, verse 4 says that these people that are selfish, they're traitors, headstrong, uh, haughty, lovers of pleasure. That word pleasure, they actually mean that they are lovers of a lie, that they are lovers of something that's counterfeit. And it says basically there's lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. Wow, huh? Yeah? Okay, watch this. All right, so we're talking about us today. Okay? So let's stop for a minute because this is what the, the church has been unwilling to do here. Is they've been unwilling to actually look at that scripture on this way and ask themselves this. Do we resemble that? Now the answer is, okay, watch this because I don't want you to think I'm going somewhere I'm not. Most of us in this room don't resemble that even an ounce. 
Is that true? Hopefully, it's true. Yes, it shouldn't be that we don't resemble that at all. So watch this. But most of us in the church aren't any of those things. But for some reason, watch this, the church structure and the way we were raised has tried to make us wear the guilt and shame of that verse as if it was us. Am I making any sense to you today? In other words, it's like this, that if I feel good about myself, somehow I'm now labeled with these people that, that live like that. And that is not true. My heart is different. Listen, I'm a new creation. I've been born again. The Spirit of God lives inside of me. I have nothing in common with those people. Amen? So when it comes to this, talking about basically loving, listen, I missed for years the meaning, the heart, the spirit, the motive, right, that was behind that word love in Matthew 22 versus the word lovers that was in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Watch this. Because Matthew 22, and this is, this is all Bible without giving you a whole bunch of verses because we could have given you about 50 today. But Matthew 22 reinforces the truth that this, that God loves us because of who we are and not because of what we do or don't do. Amen. It reinforces the truth that we have experienced and believe that he loves us with an unconditional love. It comes again in Matthew 22, talking about the agape love where he gives us permission. Once again, it is reinforcing the fact that we abide in his love, that we remain continually in his love. You understand today that this reinforces that we are his beloved sons and daughters. Get that. Let me maybe interject something really fast. How many of you guys that have ever had a kid wake up in the morning and go, you know, I hope little Bobby, little Jimmy, little Susie really hates themselves today. But yet that's the way the church thinks that God wants them to be. It's so anti the, the, the father's heart. Are you, am I making any sense? Am I talking to another church today? <laughs> Flip it. You're hilarious. Listen, we, we know, watch this, we know that this verse once again reinforces that we know because of the cross that the Father loves me and you with the same love that he loves Jesus with. Isn't that what the Bible says? So to wrap your brain around that for a minute with your, with your self-loathing mentality on the inside, because once again, I know we don't walk to people, I really hate myself, but it's what we think on the inside. Is it, is it literally that God is saying, you know what? Uh, listen, I love you like I love Jesus. There was no doubt in the Bible that the Father loved Jesus. So there shouldn't be any doubt in us. Amen? Listen, it's this idea, and this is really, uh, you know, once again, the ditch, the ditch, here's the middle, okay? There's this side that I love who God is in me. I love the fact of what? Of who he has made me to be. Are you understanding me here? That, listen, that I love who he has made me in his family. There's something about, you know, there, watch this, there's nothing inside of Quentin's self that goes, that's awesome. But what I do love is what he has put in me. Right. That's where the value. That's where the worth is. And see, this idea that goes, you know what? Well, I'm just a a sinner saved by grace. Wrong, 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 wrong. You're a sinner in that old life. You became a new creation. You're God's son. You're God's daughter. Live from that position. Quit looking in the mirror. Amen. Listen, we've moved on. Right. We moved on. We've abided in his love. And we watch it. Once again, what's the Bible say that he lavishes? In fact, it says this. And I, and I wish I grabbed some notes and pulled them. But the word that says, behold, behold. Let me. Anybody got an NIV Bible? 
I'm going to say that thing, please. I like the way it says it better. Watch this. Turn to First John chapter 3, verse 1 real fast. I'm getting sidetracked here, but it's all right. First John. First John. If you meet Revelations, take a left. All right, here we go. First John chapter 3, verse 1. Watch this. It says, how great, you might have a version that says, behold. Anybody got the verse that says, behold? It says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. I love that. And that is what we are. It didn't say, you know, you're an old filthy sinner. It says you are a child of God. Amen? Yes? So listen, that part where it says, behold, it literally means stand back and be amazed. Actually, in the Greek language, it means this. Wow. That's what it means. Literally, it means to, you know, literally sit back and be blown away that, you know, that, that look at what God is doing. Once again, that he is lavished. And the word there, lavish, doesn't mean a one-time event. It means that he is continually, daily, lavishing upon you his love. Amen. So that's why we can wake up and go, you know, at all those thoughts that we all got to contend with. Right. All the thoughts that the enemy wants us to believe. We got to We got to uh, separate those things. And go. Nope. The Bible says this. See, there's something about in our hearts, folks, that um, once again, we all live there. We all have the same battles. Right. We, we do. Let's not that we don't. OK. Doesn't matter how long you've been in this. You're still fighting somewhere. Okay, but but let me maybe say it this way. Jen read me a quote yesterday. There's things that we keep trying to carry that we need to release because guess what? Jesus already carried them on the cross. Okay, we need to quit trying to carry them in this life. And so when those thoughts come, we need to just call it what it is. Devil, that's a lie. That's a lie. I don't believe it. God's word says it. And if I got to repeat it, repeat it, repeat it and repeat it and repeat it until I believe it, then I'll do it. See, that's the side where people get a little bent out of shape, but there is power in confessing the word of our, of our lives. Listen, did Jesus not say in the book of Mark that you will have what you say? He said it, not me. Don't get bent out of shape. You have it what you say. See, there's, there's that side, once again, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do you understand that when you get in your prayer closet and you go, God, I thank you today that you lavish your love on me. Faith. Are you getting that? That literally, as I'm speaking it, guess what? I'm hearing it, and faith is coming in my heart. Listen, I remember Pastor Al said a story one time. Most of us have heard, uh, you know, good old Second Corinthians 5, verse 21. It says, He who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Pastor Al told me, he said, he said, well, he told us, we were staff meeting. He said, I have probably prayed that scripture over my life thousands of times. Father, I thank you that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He said he went in a season where he was working out of this self-hate mode into what God's word was saying. And so literally he said one day, he'd been saying it so much in prayer calls, he went to the airport. Somebody said, hey, I'm so-and-so. And he, he shook their hand and said, hey, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It became so much in him that when he went to go say his name, he said, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Are, are you feeling me? That's the part where it really gets in this. You, you know, li- listen, it, it's not nothing's going to change as long as we just sit back and go, well, God knew it. It's not going to change. I'm going to have to take what he gave me and do something with it. Amen. L- listen, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, because I know this from experience. You're not going to believe it at first. 
You're going to feel silly. You're going to feel dumb. But there's a certain part when that thing takes that 18-inch journey. Jesus. And it explodes in you. And you actually go, I believe that. Amen? Amen. All right. So watch this. So that's all comes from the love, the agape love of God that God is talking about, right? Where he values you, he treasures you. Once again, notice, notice what the word said when Jesus gave a parable. He said that basically the man sold the field, right, so he could find the treasure. Who's the treasure? It's us. It's us, okay? He went all in for us because he values us, okay? So watch this. Whereas when we move to... 2 Timothy 3, it screams the exact opposite. Now, here's what I mean by this. That that verse really shows a person who doesn't know their identity and worth in the Father's heart. Is that not true? They don't know it. Watch this. And because they don't know it, they've turned to everything that they can obtain in their, what? In their own fleshly efforts to somehow fill the hole that's in their lives. So, in other words, because they don't know their love, they turn to self-hate. Because they don't know their love, they turn to pride. The fact is, let's just get honest today. Most cocky, arrogant, self-conceited people are some of the most insecure people that's ever walked on the planet. Those things are really married together. Are you all following me today? So that's, listen, that's, that piece isn't God. Because see, watch this. Here's the difference. And this is where I want us to see. Watch this. Take a step back, evaluate our lives, and go, which one is me? Because it will show you if you're walking in agape or it will show you if you're walking in this selfish kind of love. Watch this. That God's love draws people in. Do you understand? Watch this. The reason I say is when Jesus walked into the room, wherever Jesus went, wherever, watch this, because he is God. Yes? We believe, we believe the Bible says in the Trinity, right? There's three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit, and these three are one, okay? So when God walked to town, the God-man, the God Jesus in the flesh, right, or God in the flesh, when he walked to town, people ran to him. Why? Because love came in. So love draws people to us. Watch this, where selfish love pushes people away. True? What do we say? They call you, and you want to run, Right? You want to run. They walk in the room. Ooh, got to go. I wasn't hungry, but I got to go to cafe now. All right. That's, that's truth, isn't it? All right. So, all right. Whatever. All right. Maybe I'm messing with people too much. All right. Watch this. God's love makes people feel valued. Selfish love makes people feel devalued and used. God's love makes people feel encouraged. Selfish love makes people feel discouraged. God's love makes people feel built up. Selfish love, what? Tears people down. God's love gives life. Selfish Love drains life. God's love thinks we. Selfish love thinks me. Is that not true? All right, so watch this. I'm going to do something a little different this morning. And, and Terry, if you're ready, we'll, I'll, I'll give you the indicator here. I, I, want to, I want to do something this morning because, you know, I've been talking about weeks over this journey that I was on, how God changed my heart. And, I'm, you know, once again, I'm still on this journey just like you, okay? There's still things that he's doing in me, changing me. And, uh, and helping me through things. But, but I think there's something a few years ago that really clicked, and I have to remind myself when, I'm, when I get down in the dumps, right? But I have to remind myself that God really loves me. And if he loves me, then that means that I'm not unlovable. And if I'm not unlovable and if he loves me, then that means it's okay for me to love myself and maybe even like myself. Maybe even like myself. And be okay with who I am. So watch this. 
So a, a few years ago, to give you a little background, I went to a, I went to a church in, uh, in Fort Mill. I went to that church that we were talking about earlier. And uh, one, of my, one of my friends is on staff there, and, and they got a, a pretty good bookstore that I have uh, spent way too much money in. And so, anyways, we went, and he goes, he goes hey, Quentin, uh, well, he calls me Pastor Quentin, hey, hey, or PQ, hey, PQ, um, I, there's some music that I think you would really like. And so he kind of pointed me out to some of their music because it's not in the mainstream. And I grabbed a few. And I was listening to one of those CDs one day, and, uh, and I found this song on it. And, and it basically, it, it is long. I'm going to go ahead and tell you it's long. But I want you to sit back, close your eyes, and open your heart really wide and let the Holy Ghost talk to you because he's going to. And, uh, and so, but it's this. On this theme, this guy starts singing, and then there's a prophetic word that's given in this, in this um, song. And it's really God speaking over us today. And I have listened to this thing, man, how many times, just literally on repeat going, God, let me get it in me. Let me believe it, God, because it's so opposite of what I've ever believed. So I'm going to ask her to play this. Once again, it, it, it is long. It's nine and a half minutes, but it won't feel like that, okay? So we'll just kind of embrace the moment and let God talk to us. Amen? Let, let me, the fact, let me say this really fast before we go in this. I, I want you to hear this from this angle. That the secret to loving God, loving people, and loving yourself lies in the truth that you are outrageously loved by God. Amen. This is the I am that I promised you. I am he that loves you outrageously. And you may love me back with the love that I give you. You may love me back outrageously with the outrageous love that I bestow upon you. And know this, says the Lord, you can only love me as much as you love yourself. So my love comes this evening to set you free from yourself. To set you free from how you see yourself. To set you free from the smallness of your own thinking about yourself. My love comes to set you free from rejection and from shame and from low self-esteem and from despair and from abuse. Jonathan was just singing, God, will you give us the ability to see us in your eyes? God, that you would allow us in this room, God, to see our reflection in your eyes. God, to see how, um, God, as your word says, that, you're the, that we're the apple of your eye. God, that you love us, that we're your beloved today, that we are your beloved. So, Lord, today, God, we position ourselves to be loved So, Lord, even in this moment, God, all around this room, God, we all have different stories. God, we all have different hang-ups. But, Lord, today, God, we give you our obstacle. 
God, we give you our obstacle today. Come on, right where you're at. Come on, it's just you and Him. In this moment, the obstacle that keeps you from believing that He loves you, let's give it to Him today. He's big enough. Remember, He's already carried it on the cross. He's already asking for it. He already wants it. So let's give it to Him today. Father, if it's been uh, lies that have been spoken over us, God, if it's been lies that we've been taught, Father, we give it to You today. And Father, we just posture and position our hearts to understand, God, that it's okay to receive Your love. God, today we embrace, God, Your love. We believe it today. Father, And we not only uh, embrace the love that You have for us, but, God, we embrace uh, the love that You desire for us to have for ourselves. And so, Lord, today, just thank You that literally those two categories that we talked about earlier, God, how we can ping-pong back and forth between the two. Father, we pray that those things would be broken off of our lives. God, that today that we would begin to walk more and more and more into the image that you've created for us to walk in. And that's, a, that's an image that's secure, that's confident. God, that's still humble and meek. God, that still is one that brings life. So, Lord, thank you today, God, from the inside out. God, producing your change in us. And, Father, if there's literally old patterns, old thought patterns, uh, literally old ways of believing, Father, we pray today that those things would be broken off of our lives. And, Lord, today that we would embrace, God, what you have for us. We would embrace truth. Because today, God, is it not, uh, God, the truth, he who has the truth is set free. And so, Lord, today, thank you for freedom God, over our lives, freedom in our hearts, freedom to love ourselves today. So, Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Yeah, it's on iTunes. Gentle post it. There we go. Gentle post on Facebook. Pretty good, though, right? Yes. There's something about, listen, there's just something about for us today of just breaking the lies that, listen, there's two things. Of the things that have been spoken over us. And then the second thing, the things that we've been taught. There's a lot of people in this room who have been taught the opposite of that. Yes? Yeah. And, so, and so, listen, it's going, okay, it's, it's okay to sit back and go, God, I believe your word. I believe it, right? And look, and look at it in a different way. As we grow in our walk with God, he's going to cause us to look at his word different. Because we go from faith to faith, glory to glory, the revelation of him changes. And so it changes in our hearts and how we interact with him. Truth? Amen. Let's stand to our feet, please. Just a quick reminder before we get out of here today. Thanks for staying. I think we stayed a little longer today, I think. So thanks for being here. Thanks for staying. Um, remember, we have men's group. Great time. Uh, great time fellowship. We have women's group. And um, anyways, I would just encourage you to kind of keep updated with what's on Facebook, on our website, and all those fun things. If you uh, need prayer today... Uh, my wife will be up front, and Kyle and Cassie will be up front, and they will pray for you. If you do not know Jesus, please do not leave this place without making him the Lord and Savior of your life. If you need anything, anything in your life, please come for prayer. Amen. Kyle, can you come and close us really quick, and we'll, we'll roll. Father God, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for this house. This is your house, God. We thank you for your word that never returns void. God, we thank you for Pastor Quentin uh, and using him the way that you use him. God, help us to apply this to our lives, Lord. Help us to walk the way that you want us to walk. Help us to be obedient. Help us to submit, Lord. And help us to love ourselves the way that you love us. It's just that simple. God, we're grateful. We're thankful. We're thankful for your grace, for your mercy in our lives. And we pray for mercy for the rest of this day. In Jesus' name, amen.